for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Here's why I'm preaching. I sent Graham an encouragement, and 24 hours later he asked me, do you want to preach? <laughs> so the moral of the story is... Oh, oh. Can I say something? Have I sat there? I don't know what it is. Have I sat there? The I have, I've loved blueberries. And I got a, a bag of blueberries next to me, and this big pot came and it's pouring all this water and the blueberries are rising and rising and rising. Now it's only a small bag so please someone can you translate this because I feel so happy. I feel so happy that he has just showed me these small bag of blueberries and it's filling the water and it keeps rising. Thank you. Um, If you've never grown blueberries, um, don't try. (laughs) Unless you've got water-sodden ground. Blueberries need a lot of water. You just can't grow blueberries where it's not boggy ground. It just doesn't fly. And as we as a church let the Holy Spirit soak us really soak us, continually soak us, we'll see amazing fruit come from growing in a life of the Spirit. Because Jesus said, out of, out of your hearts will flow rivers of living water. And if we do that, we will see the most amazing fruit amongst us grow. Does that make sense to you? All the gardeners said, Amen, brother, preach it. Has anyone else got a word? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking. Come on, we're church of the spirit. Has anyone else got a word that God's given them at the moment they want to share? And that is coming back! Hey! (laughs) It's good when God speaks to us out of our experiences and our, our circumstances. Anyone else got a word from God? I hate this, I really do. Um, so I need your support, sorry. Go on, go ahead. It's just that um, a vision come to me as a guy in a dark room. It could be a woman, but I, I felt it was a, duck, a guy, and he's lost. His, his, his wife, because um, I felt it was a guy, called the police to look for him. He... The police came to, the, 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 found him in this room. He said, what are you doing here? And they said, well, we're looking for somebody. Who are you looking for? There's nobody here. He said, well, actually, we're looking for you. That's, that's the vision. So if you are that person in the darkened room, God is looking for you. That's the vision. Mm-hmm. You know, in our, in our community group, we have quite a flexible community group we're just learning to um, just allow things to happen the way the spirit wants to happen you know we can come into groups we can come into our community groups we can come into situations and have such a structure have such a plan before we even get there of what's going to happen 
that we almost dull what God wants to do sometimes. And, and you know, we need to be open to things of spirit. And, and it's, it's what I'm going to go on to this morning. Um, I just want to, I'm finding in my own life that I need to be open more to what God's doing. Okay, and I want to go through this morning some things that um, we can do to make ourselves more available to what God wants us to do in our life. Hey, I've titled, if you like titles, I've titled what we're going to be speaking about this morning, Living with the Certainty of Life Over Death. We've heard this morning that God gives life. Amen? We've been singing, you are good, you are good, your love endures Today, it's the same love, it's the same power, it's the same spirit that endures today. In Paul, uh, Paul spoke in Romans chapter 8, about verse 11, um, about the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He said that same spirit is the spirit which will raise your mortal bodies to life. Okay, This power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power, the same spirit that lives in you. And it's no coincidence that we've just celebrated Easter. Okay? We're going to follow on this morning, and I hope this will be perhaps a, a point in your life where you say, actually, I can make changes in my life that put me more in line with what God's purposes are for me, what God's Spirit wants to do in you. I want to talk about also the better life. Okay? There's a life that you can live without Christ, and it will be a life that's shaped by your circumstances. It will be a life that's shaped by fears. It will be a life that's shaped by... The, the priority would be self. The priority would be you. The priority won't be others. But there's a better life with Christ. It's disconcerting looking at you. I haven't stood at the front and spoken to such a group, big group of people for ages, and you're all looking at me. Why wouldn't you be? <laughs> but anyway... You're obviously keen to listen. My goodness. There's a better life. And it's the life that's in Christ. Okay? And that, that life in Christ is going to be shaped by something completely different. It's going to be shaped by hope. It's going to be shaped by joy. It's going to be shaped by godly wisdom. You're going to be shaped by other believers. You're going to be shaped by Christ. And Christ gives you a future which is going to set you on a course which you will never experience without him. And that's why when Graham says you may want to give your life to Christ, that's why it's the most important thing that you could do in your whole life, to give your life to Christ, because it will set you on a traje- trajectory that you'll never experience without him. Through the suffering, through the death, and through the res- resurrection of Christ, there's four main things that ha- happen. God dealt with four main things. He dealt with a sin problem. We all know that. You know, if you believe in Christ... Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. He dealt with a relationship problem. Because you're saved, you can relate to Father God. The sting of death no longer exists. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Where is the victory? It doesn't exist. But there's a fourth thing that the cross dealt with, that Jesus dealt with, that we all forget. He dealt with a life issue. Okay, and it's this life I want to talk to you about this morning because when Jesus rose from the dead, he demonstrated his power. Okay? He demonstrated his power in life to change what naturally we might think is impossible. He did this many times. Think of the miracles of Jesus. He demonstrated his power over what we think is, is just natural things many times. Okay? But God has given you a spirit 
that is alive that is Christ in you. And it lives in you. There's so much more to knowing Christ that you could ever imagine. You have ever imagined. God's purposes for you are so great that you haven't touched the most of it at the moment. And it's this that I want to get into this morning. And it's this that Jesus is speaking to me. And there's so many circumstances in your life. As I'm speaking here this morning, there's things going on in your lives. There's things going on with your kids. There's things going on with your work. And you can be shaped by those things. But what I want to do this morning is point you towards a God who wants to shape your life in a different way according to his purposes, his plans for you. You, can pers- you are personally filled with the Holy Spirit. We've received God's life in us. Because you've received the Holy Spirit, you can grow in the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, there's one I've forgotten, faithfulness. You can grow in all these things, and these are fruits that will bless your life. They will bless your life. Okay, People who don't have the Spirit don't know the fruits of the Spirit. They don't grow in the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit will grow you. You can know power over sin. Okay, You don't have this, this power at work in you which, is, is, which you can't overcome. Christ can overcome that in you. You can have a sure hope. God's given you a hope of eternal life. Okay, And that's a hope which puts everything else in a different perspective. You know what's happening at the end of the game. You can know a purpose for living. Okay, because of all these things, because of the Spirit, God gives you a purpose just for your life. You can know a purpose for your specific life that God's gifted you in, that God's going to take you through, that's like no one else. There's so many things you can do that are going to bless others, that are going to bless you, that are going to glorify Christ. And those things are special for you. I want to explain this for... Oh, it's there already. I want to start by giving you an example from the Bible. I was worried that this was... When I thought about this last night, I thought, oh my goodness, this is a deep verse. (laughs) But let me explain. Paul said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. This is how I read this. I want to know Christ. Hey! And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Hey! I want to suffer with him. Oh no. <laughs> Share it in his death. Oh no. So that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Right. <laughs> hey! Oh sorry. Hey! Yeah, that bit's good. <laughs> The goal of, of trusting in Christ is to know him. Okay, the goal of trusting in Christ is to know him. Paul wants to know Christ. And as a believer, you need to know Christ. God wants to know you. We've already heard this morning that he's made a way for you to know him. He wants to be... He, he's found you. You haven't found him. He's found you. He's done all the work. He wants you to know him. Your goal is to know Christ. Your goal is to experience the mighty power, and you can know that mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. I've already said in Romans, that same spirit that raised Christ is the same spirit that lives in you. Your mortal bodies will be raised to life. Let me just state the obvious here. You are already alive physically. Okay? When Paul said 
the Spirit will raise your mortal bodies for life. He meant that it's more than just the life you'll get without Christ. Okay, it's more than just existing. It's a Spirit-filled life, which is more than just life itself. Okay? And you know, this power is made known as you share the same kind of sufferings that Jesus experienced. I don't think Paul's saying here that he wants to be put onto a cross and died. That's just silly. (laughs) Sorry. There's probably a bit of that in there. Paul was prepared to die for Christ, and and we will be the same. But there's something that you'll experience as Christ experienced. When we look at Christ's life, you will experience the same things, but they will glorify Christ. And, And Christ promises so much to you when you go through these things. But through them, you will know Christ. And, and through it all, you'll experience the resurrection of the dead. And that's when we get to the end of time, when God comes again, and he will raise people who know him. I think what Paul is doing here is goal-seeking. Okay? He, he saw the end game. Okay? And he saw the method that you, you get there. He saw that it was to do with Christ. He saw that it was knowing him and experiencing him. He saw how you get there. He saw something into the, into the future and he, he sees what, what it's all about. It's about Christ. Has anyone heard of goal-seeking in Microsoft Excel? I know I will have lost the front row here, but anyone else? <laughs> anyone? Oh, not, maybe not you, James. Maybe not you. A finance man. <laughs> you might have. Anyone heard of goal-seeking in Microsoft Excel? Where's Josh? Yeah. Where's Josh? Someone. You must have done. No? Anyway, Microsoft. Oh, yeah, yeah. A finance man. Another finance man. In Microsoft, Microsoft Excel is like a big calculator. Okay, You put in lots of numbers. You tell it what to do with those numbers, and it gives you the answer. Goal-seeking in Microsoft Excel. There's a function called goal-seeking. When you use goal-seeking in Microsoft L... Excel, you put in the answer, okay? You put the answer in. You then put in the method, the formulas, okay? You put in what you want it to do to get the answer. You then hit the go button and it sorts out all the variables and it tells you what the variables need to be to get the answer. This is a bit like what Paul's talking about here. Your life is made up of many different variables, okay? We know this. Paul talks here about two things, knowing Christ experiencing Christ. These are, these are the methods. You know, as, you, as you go through life, the more you do to know Christ, the more you do to experience Christ, that will be your blessing. But Paul also talks about, in other places in the Bible, and so do other writers, about the many things that you, that you will come across in your life. And there will be questions. There will be variables that you can't really change much, where you live, your family, your job. There are things difficult to change. But there's many things you can change. Your character, your attitude your choices, all these things are things that the Holy Spirit and God can work on in your life to bless you, to bless others, to work in your life. The enemy's out to destroy you. You know that. The enemy's out to destroy you, and he does it. My experience is it's not always directly at me. It's it's directed at the things around me relationships, broken relationships. It's directed at my work. It's directed at situations. Things the enemy can get to, things that aren't in Christ, God uses those things to get... uh, The devil uses those things to get to me. We've got to be alert. 
We've got to watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around, roaring like a lion, looking for someone to devour. And that's you. He's out to kill you, to destroy you. And with all these things, we can feel like a bit like a, a defeated Christian. Okay. And I want to point to a life in Christ this morning, but I want to acknowledge that I can be in a situation, I found myself here, where my shape is being dictated by my circumstances around me more than Christ. Okay, your circumstances can be a greater influence in your life more than Christ. And when that happens, we might describe ourselves as living like a, a defeated Christian, not acknowledging what Christ has done in our lives. So I want us just to look at three things that I think can help us in our life. Three things that I think will help us point ourselves towards Christ. Number one, I remember the promises of God. Why? Because they direct me towards a life in Christ. You need to know the promises of God in your life. When you get into a car every day, if you have a car, it's no good knowing just where you are and how to start it. You need to know where you're going. You get in your car to go somewhere. And it's the same with the promises of God. The promises of God help you to know what God is going to do in your life, what God's purposes are for your life. And they will direct you towards something outside of your current situation. You need to know the promises of God. Have you ever noticed that when you forget the promises of God, you begin to worry? Have you ever noticed that? When I say promises, it might be just forgetting God, forgetting his word. When you forget the promises of God, you begin to worry. Why is that? It's because when you forget the promises of God, you start thinking that everything's depending on you. And the fact is, it's dependent upon Jesus. And Jesus wants to teach you to depend upon him, depend on his love, depend on his resources, depend on his power, depend on you growing in knowledge and your experience of him. And he's going to work in your life to discipline you, to do things in your life in a certain way that brings you closer to him. So let's look at some promises of God. I've I've brought some promises of God up from the Bible. Um, Sorry, I chose promises that aren't the promises that you probably all think of immediately. They're promises that are, well, well, I'll describe it. I will make my people and their homes around my hill a blessing, and there shall be showers, showers of blessing, for I will not shut off rains, but send them in their seasons. We've been thinking about moving house recently, and this one's spoken to me. God's interested in where you live, but wherever you live, wherever you put yourself, the houses around God's hill are going to be blessed. Okay, And and I realised when I saw this that, God, wherever I live, wherever I put myself, you're going to... I mean, I want to say to God, God, I I want to be a blessing here. But God says, wherever you are, you're going to be a blessing. And I'm going to shower on you showers of blessing, for I will not shut off the rains. Where's the next one? Is there a next one? Blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Maybe you want to start thinking about how much time you spend with God. Because he promises 
to bless you if you're listening to him, if you're with him. Let's look at the next one. The Lord blessed the later part of Job's life more than he blessed the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 donkeys. Maybe you don't want the donkeys, but maybe you're in the latter part of your life, okay? And God's promises are to bless you even then. Maybe you're thinking about what I do now and you're thinking, there's no good, I've not got the time left to do it. But Job was blessed more in the latter part of his lives. Is there another one? Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they're in trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land and rescues them. Maybe you're thinking about, shall I give to that person or shall I keep it myself? I'm just throwing things out. And God's saying, oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord protects them, he keeps them alive, and he gives them prosperity. The next one says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. God has destined you for purpose. He's destined you to serve his purpose. This means that your, your life in Christ is going to allow you to follow Christ. It's going to allow you to have power over life. Let's move on to number two. The second thing that I think can help you in your walk with God. I cultivate a culture of community because it motivates my love for others and Christ. If you're not part of a community group, you need to be part of a community group. Okay. I'm so blessed by being in a community group. Okay? It's so good to know other believers. And I said at the beginning, you'd be shaped in your life by what goes on around you. Can you imagine when, if you, when you were a baby, what it would be like if you had no one around you to influence you? Okay? When you grew up as a baby, you were influenced by your circumstances, by your parents, by the environment around you. And it's the same as a, as a believer. You're influenced by what's going on around you. You're influenced by the other believers. You're influenced by the people in your small group. It's so good to be together. Okay? You'll never have all the answers yourself. You'll never know what to do in every situation. And small group just allows you to bounce these things off one another. And there's, I think there's such a thing as a group wisdom, a collective wisdom that you get from being in small group that you'll never experience if you stay by yourself, if you leave yourself alone. To be healthy, to be a healthy believer in a big church, you need to be a persistent member in a small group. You need to be together. You need one another. You need to depend. You need to be persistent. Don't just go once a month. Go regularly. Have you ever thought how you are with other believers might affect your own well-being? The next Bible verse says, if we, live, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Maybe you're thinking, God, I just don't feel like I'm part of anything. I don't feel like I'm 
no one knows what I'm doing, no one's caring for me. Just ask yourself the question, are you in a group? Are you going through life with other believers? Are you sharing the experience of this life in Christ with others? Are you growing with others? You know, there's, there's a few things which I think our community group does. I'm talking to myself here, okay, on this one. I didn't know where to put this one first, but here it is. You learn that the world does not revolve around you. Okay, that's so important. Do you know what my biggest struggle in life at the moment is? It's kids. Okay? Not, not your kids. <laughs> my kids. And not all the world's kids, just my kids. My biggest struggle is kids because they think everything revolves around them. I said to Bethan this morning, on the front row this morning, I said, can we get to church early because I'm preaching this morning and I'd just like to, to be comfortable, I don't want to rush. She said, no, I don't want to, Daddy. She said, my trousers are too tight. Okay. They don't see anything outside of their current circumstances. Okay? Everything is to do with them. And the sad thing is, we can grow up in life still thinking that the world is revolving around us. In fact, we fall into that trap time and time again. But being in group helps us to remember that the life does not revolve just around us. And there's other people who can help us and we can help them. You benefit from godly wisdom. You get to bear others' burdens and they get to bear yours. Okay, so important. So important. No one should ever be alone in all the things we come across in life. And God's set a community, a church for you to be in. You are stirred up to do good things and to be missional. That's from the Bible. Your stirred believers will stir one another up to do good works. You need group. And you learn to practice spiritual activity in your small group. There's so much that, if we're honest, you, you, you just won't get to do in church. Because when church is like this size, we, we can't all do everything. But in community group, you can have a go at anything. Okay? It's a safe space. You can share, and that's the only place you can do it. You can pray for one another, you can encourage one another, you can share one another's burdens. The third thing, and this is where my real passion is this morning, I position myself to enjoy Christ because Christ takes me to the realities of heaven. You know, it's not enough just to believe promises. They're good, but it's not enough. It's not enough to just be in community group. You know, I found in the past that I, I feel listening to worship sometimes is encouraging me, and it does encourage you, but there's something else beyond just being encouraged by listening to, to worship. Reading books would increase your knowledge. But you know, the devil believes all these things as well. And people have been in community groups for, for, for many years and still not experienced the fullness of being in Christ. And what I want to point you towards this morning, what I'm I'm trying to allow myself to do more is to enjoy being in Christ because when I enjoy being in Christ, I'm satisfied in Christ. And this is what a healthy Christian aims to do. They don't achieve it. <laughs> we, we, have, we don't achieve per- perfection in this life, but we can aim to be satisfied in Christ. And when you're satisfied in Christ, you personally get to know and experience Christ which is where we started this morning. 
And these other things, they will guide you, they will help you, and they're good. Community group is good. But you need to know Christ yourself. There's a verse in in Matthew, we all know it. On the judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many, many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Wow. God's acceptance of you is not going to be based on your profession, on your activity in church, in how well you did uh, all these things. It's going to be based on whether he knew you. And you may want to ask yourself this morning, do I know Christ? Maybe you need to just grow in knowing Christ. Maybe you want to ask yourself these questions. What is it I delight in the most? What is it I trust in the most? What am I expecting beyond my current situation? I said it's my passion at the moment, and I want to convey this to you, that there is a better life that you will only experience by knowing and experiencing Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit in you that's going to work. And, and I, I'm giving you, I, I want to give you these three things because I think they will help you to experience more of what Christ wants for you in your life. This is what I'm learning. And God wants you to be so close to him. He's found you. His grace is enough. But there's more to life than just believing. You can experience this life in Christ today. So I've been looking at Colossians 3 and I've just got four things here that you might want to do in your life to help you understand more of the realities of heaven. Number one, start committing your circumstances to God. Start thinking about God. Number two, fix your gaze on Christ. That's in the Bible. Fix your gaze on the realities of heaven. Because that's where your true fulfilment comes from. Imitate Christ. Look at the Gospels. See what Christ did. See how he behaved. And fourthly, pray. Come before God. Come before God and just seek him. Just spend ten minutes a day, if that's all it is, just asking God, committing your circumstances to him. You know, when Peter, in, in Acts chapter 2, he, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. You know, everyone was filled with the Spirit. He preached to them and he finished by saying, this promise is for you, to your children, and to those far away, or the Gentiles. All have been called by the Lord our God. The promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of God's power in you, is for you. It's for you. It's to work in you. It's not for others. He didn't say it's for the others and not for you. It's for you. And God wants you to know him and he wants you to experience him and he's, made the, he's done the work. He's done all the work and you can come to him today. So let me just quickly summarise. It's the next slide. I can experience the mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. I remember the promises of God because they direct me towards life in Christ. Number two, I cultivate a culture of community because it motivates my love for others in Christ. And lastly, Position yourself to enjoy Christ in your, in your own life because, it takes, because Christ takes me to the realities 
of heaven. Well, I'm done.